Today we're going to be celebrating communion, Christmas communion, always an extra special one. If you want to turn your Bibles to Acts 24, Acts 24, Uh, if you grabbed one of the Bibles on the way in, it's page 931, otherwise we have the verses up here, you'll be able to just follow along on the the screen behind me, but uh, we're in Acts 24, and don't forget we're in the book of Acts, we're moving moving along here, we're almost done, a couple more months, Uh, and Acts is all about victory no matter what we're facing in our life, no matter what our country's going through, what our church is going through, what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on, we can still live in victory through our Faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Marty. It's good to have you back. All right. So I missed Marty's uh, loud voice on that last week. So the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're talking about. And the title for today is God Inconvenient. Is God inconvenient or when is God, when God is inconvenient? I'm messing around with it, uh, Rob. I, I like the is God inconvenient even better. But, uh, <clears throat> we're, there is a, starting off, there is a right way and a wrong way to do things. A right way and a wrong way to do it. Especially getting a Christmas tree. There's a right way and a wrong way to getting a tree and getting it up, right? You know what I'm talking about, the trauma, right? Who breathes a big sigh of relief when the tree is up and it's done? And you're like, <gasps> you know, unless you have cats, you know, or, you know or, or then you know what happens after that. But getting it up. And this year we had a drama-free day. We went over to Dan and uh, Jen Fest and Georgie Cole's place and got a beautiful tree. Thank you, guys. It was, they did, made it so easy. Got it home. It went right up. Uh, it was crazy. It was a drama-free day. Thank you, guys. But I remember some bad tree days. You know, I have bad hair days. Bad tree days. Uh, I remember one really bad one with my dad. It was definitely the wrong way. Right way, wrong way. Right? That's what we're talking about. Uh, I love getting the tree with my dad. We would often go out to the farm. I'd look for a tree during the year, and we'd go out and get one and cut it down and drag it up to the house. But when we couldn't find a good one that was ready... There was a guy down the road, a couple miles down the road on an old back road. He had a, a evergreen glade there, little woods, all evergreen trees. And we would go in and pull along this gravel road. It was really gravel. It was always snow by then where I grew up. And, and then we would go out into this evergreen glade and he would top off because they were all huge trees. My dad would climb up and top one off and we'd drag it home and my dad would see him sometime during the year and give him five bucks. That's how they do things where I'm from. And so, uh, one year, though, the snow was very deep, and we pulled into that road, and there was enough plowed that we could get back there, and it was very deep, very, very deep, so we had trouble finding a tree. We were trudging through. It was really – it was up to my waist. I was maybe 12 at the time, up to my waist, and I'll never forget. We found a tree. My dad starts climbing up this evergreen tree to get toward the top so he could saw off you know, enough of, for the house, and he gets up there, and it's snow falling, and I'm up to my waist, and it's falling off as he he climbs and he gets up there and he gets out the saw and he starts to saw and he's sawing and he's sawing and nothing's happening. He's like, this saw is dull. It was Todd, that darn Todd, you know, my little brother Todd had used it on something. I saw him with it. He dulled my saw. He could not cut this. He's up there. I'm in my, up to my waist, freezing cold. He's up there sawing, freezing cold, cannot cut this tree down. I'll never forget it. I was hearing words I never heard even in the barn uh, that day. Uh, <clears throat> it was crazy. And, and finally, I'll never forget, he reaches into his pocket. He takes out his jackknife. And he starts to 
cut it with his jackknife. And he kept, that's how he cut the tree down. He finished it off with a jackknife. And finally cut into it far enough the whole time. You know, he's cut it, and then he finally pulls out and it cracks and falls down and, and we somehow got it out of the woods. That is the wrong way to cut down a Christmas tree. With a jackknife, that's not a good idea. The wrong, wrong way. Uh, horrible. I'm telling you that's the wrong way. There's also a right and wrong way to get to God. A right and wrong way to get to God. And we're going to see this in Acts 24 today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today, just beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for everyone who's here or, or watching, listening today. We know that we're here for a purpose. You want to do something in our life spiritually. I pray that you would prepare us for that through your word now, whether it's our salvation, whether it's our sanctification, whether it's to be even closer to you, closer than ever through communion this Christmas in daily communion. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts with your spirit's fire. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so remember, we are seeing Paul, and he's just moved from the people of, of Israel to the Gentiles and their kings. Remember that he made the shift to the prophecy? You know, God was going to send him to the, the, the people of Israel and then to the Gentiles and their kings. And he's sending them there. And so we're just making that shift. And today we see phase one of the Gentiles and their kings. It's trial number one. He comes before his trial, his first trial, number one, with Governor Felix. Governor Felix. And let's pick it up with Acts 24, verse 1. And I'm going to probably read off the screen so I make sure I get the right version here. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul. Anybody been in Caesarea? I know some people went to Israel. Where my Caesarea? You guys, did you hit Caesarea by the sea? Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Caesarea, you guys too. Is it a wild place? All right, I should have brought some pictures. Anyway, verse 2, when Paul was called in, <clears throat> Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. He's just dripping, you know, dripping, right? Yeah. Uh, everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. Briefly. So the high priest ends up bringing some high-powered lawyers, uh, and he butters up the governor. He hates the governor. He hates the, they hate the Romans. They would love to kill them all, you know? They're under slavery to him. But you can see how he's, he's you know, anyway. Uh, it, so it's interesting, though, how God uses these apostate Jews to attack and, and, and in the process spread the gospel to the Gentiles. He's using these attacks. That's what God does. He uses the attacks. They play right into God's hands by doing this. They're bringing the gospel to the Gentiles and their kings. God is play, uh, they're playing checkers and God is playing chess. You know, it's crazy, right? We see the same thing today. We saw this wickedness out there. But the wicked are playing right into God's hands. They're fulfilling God's purposes. We see them fulfilling God's prophecies all over the world. We're seeing this happen, especially in the nation of Israel. Pay attention to Israel. Uh, now, now, not all Jews were apostate at this time. And the majority were not hostile. 
The majority of Jews were not hostile. And many were Christians. The whole early church was 99% Christian. There were many, many Christians. Even now, many Jews, although maybe they're not believing, they're not hostile. There's a, there's a radical element that's very hostile, but, but in the apostate group that's hostile, but many are not hostile. They're very open. In fact, we are seeing a massive movement of Jewish people coming to Jesus Christ. They just, they, their last study just found out that there's now one million people of Jewish descent that are now Christians. One million. There's never been anywhere near that number in the world. Today, one million people of Jewish descent are now Christians, true Christians. We're seeing this. Now, what is that giving us a hint of? What is that a sign? End end times and specifically Jesus Christ coming again. Just like this was the first coming, this is preparing for the second coming that's in the Bible, a prophetic fulfillment when the Jewish people start to turn back to Jesus Christ and the true Messiah. That is a sign that the time is coming close, and we believe it is close, right? But the apostate radicals here are attacking. They attack him. Let's pick up with verse 5, Acts 24, verse 5, where we see the apostate radicals attacking We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tries to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges that we are bringing against him. The other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. Now, once again, when they, when in the Bible, in the book of Acts, when they use the word the Jews, they're talking about the, the hostile, radical group. Paul was a Jew. All the apostles were Jewish. That's not a, a, a term of what their, their uh, nationality or ethnicity is about. It's simply saying when he uses the word Jew there, he's talking about hostile, apostate Jews. Okay. So anyway, the accusation was that he was starting riots. The hypocrites. <laughs> they are the ones rioting. <laughs> they're the rioting, but they're blaming Paul for their riots. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine manipulating riots and, and for your own agenda? It's hard to even believe they did that, isn't it? How about what's going on now with China? You know, our, our government media is attacking the Chinese government because they, they're cracking down on the protests and how they won't let people protest against the mandates that they have in China. And the very people who are attacking them are the ones who did it to us. It's crazy, isn't it? The hypocrisy. How about Trudeau from Canada? You know, he, he's, a, he's going right after the Chinese government. How dare you do this to your people? Lock them up and don't let them blah, blah, blah. He was, he was planning on using tanks against those peaceful truckers, right, who were protesting the mandate. But God is showing us something. He's showing us the spiritual blindness. It, it does upset us. But, but it also is showing us what, how blind the world is. That they're, they're doing, they do the very things that they criticize. It's crazy, isn't it? Anyway, uh, it's just wild, wild, wild what God's showing us. But the most serious accusation wasn't the riot. The most serious accusation was the Nazarene sect. The Nazarene sect. Who, what is the Nazarene sect? What do they call them back in Acts eleven twenty six? Christians. He's talking about Christians, the Nazarene sect. He's talking about Christians. But this Jewish lawyer is smart. He's a smart guy. He's got a point here. He's, he, what, listen to what he's trying to do. The, he's saying they're not part of the Jewish religion. It's a cult. 
It's a cult. Even though up to, up to this point, the vast majority were Jewish in this Nazarene sect. But, but what he's really sending the message to Felix is that they're not approved by Rome. The Jewish religion was approved by Rome. They didn't like them very much, but they approved of them. They let them have that religion. But this group, they're not one of us. They're not approved by Rome. They are outlaws. They are breaking the law. That's what he's trying to make this point, this argument uh, of, of making this point that they're, they're trying to break the law. And this is, it really was a, a very uh, a brilliant you know, attack on his part to try to use this with Governor Felix, who he hated. You know, and it was, it was great uh, you know, that those who are involved in law know what I'm talking about. Brian, you know, lawyer, he, that's, you could see the argument he's using. It's a really clever trick that he's, he's using here. But Paul has a defense ready. He has a defense ready. Listen to his defense starting in verse 10. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that a number of that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogue or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However... I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. And after an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor I was involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring the charges if they have anything against me or those who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you today then Felix who was well acquainted with the way Adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. So interesting. Paul's defense was the way. He says, my defense is I'm, I'm following the way. The way. And Governor Felix knew it well because it had spread like wildfire throughout Judea and Samaria. It had spread like wildfire throughout the province of Asia. It was turning the world upside down. Remember that? Turning the world upside down. He knew it well. He says, the way, Acts 24, verse 14. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they called a sect. I believe in everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. He, the way was predicted. The way it was confirmed by the law and the prophets predicted this. That's what it did. What was the way? Jesus Christ, Christianity. Jesus Christ was the way. His death, 
His resurrection, proving that he was the Messiah, is the way. Paul's defense says, is, is, Paul says, my defense is the way. My defense is Jesus Christ, who proved he was really the Messiah, proved he was the Son of God by, by fulfilling the law and the prophets. And remember, we've been talking about this as we go through Acts. He, he fulfilled the types of the law. The law is flooded with types of Jesus Christ and also the prophecies, hundreds and hundreds of incredible prophecies that Jesus fulfilled to prove he is the way. That's what he did. The, fulfilling the types and fulfilling the, the, the prophecies, the predictions. That's, and that's exactly what we see Paul preaching. That's what we'll see that Paul is using to witness to Felix uh, as we go on here. Jesus Christ is the way. He's the way. He fulfills the law and the prophets. He's the only way to God. Where, have we, where did he get that? John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way to God the Father. He is the only way to reconnect with God. He is the only way to heaven someday is, is through Jesus Christ. And the apostles said the same thing in Acts 4.12. Remember what they said? Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. He is the only way. There's only one way to have a relationship with God, the true one true God, God our Father, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you've got this one memorized. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There is only one way. God's one and only Son died for us and rose again from the dead for us. He died on the cross for us. He gave His body and blood. And this is what's communion. We celebrate communion today. It's remembering that He did this very thing. He gave His body, the bread. He gave His blood, the, 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 the juice or the wine. He gave that for us. And this is exactly what Paul continues to share <clears throat> with Governor Felix. Look at verse 24 he, he, when he starts to meet with him. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish, who was Jewish, I'm sorry. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that is enough for now. You may leave. <laughs> when I find it convenient, I will send for you. I'm going to read that again. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Remember the title? Uh, at, that, at the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When... Two years had passed. Felix was succeeded. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but became, because Felix wanted to grant a fa I'm sorry, favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Okay, so, wow. Uh, I call him Felix the Curious Cat. Some of you remember Felix the Cat? Who remembers Felix the Cat? We got an older congregation here. I, uh, you know, I used to get up every Saturday morning to go watch Felix the Cat. He was my favorite cartoon. Uh, it was, well, that's an old one, right? 
And so I call him Felix the Curious Cat. He was drawn to Paul's message. He was drawn to the faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 24, several days after Felix came with his wife, Drusella, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. He was drawn to that. But when Paul went deeper... He was drawn to the faith in Christ part, but when Paul went deeper, as every biblical preacher, every biblical ministry should do, must go deeper. As soon as he went deeper, it, it, it was a problem. Look at what he, he went deeper. This is where he, he didn't just say faith in Jesus. He also said, as Paul talked about the righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that is enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Whoa. Are you following this? Are you following me on this? When he went deeper, righteousness and self-control are the result of true faith. A lot of people say, well, I'm a Christian. I prayed, asked Jesus in my heart, and I you know, raised my hand, Billy Graham, and did all that. <laughs> but that doesn't mean a thing. The fruit is what proves our faith is real. We are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, but there has to be fruit. There has to be proof. If there's no fruit, there's no, no change, no Jesus. No Jesus, no change, right? Uh, there, there has, that's what proves that our faith was real. We're saved by faith. But, but the, the changed life must come. And, and that's a re, the righteousness and self-control are a result of true faith and a changed life. And Paul is driving that home. And they didn't stop there. Then he went to the judgment. He went to the judgment. We're going to be judged for our sin here and there. You know, you know there's a hell. Jesus preached about it. Paul preached about it. They, it's, it's a reality. And that's the judgment that comes if we don't put our repent. If we don't repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ and live a brand new life, then we are facing judgment. We are facing judgment. That is a, a fact. And look at how Felix responded. How did he respond? Afraid. He was fearful. I'll send for you when it's convenient. Convenient. Why? Why, why do you think he re- responded that way? Conviction. Conviction. Anybody know what he was convicted about? Who came with him? Drusella. Drusella was his third wife. Third wife. She was the daughter of Herod Agrippa I. She ended up actually having a son that she named Agrippa, by the way. He died in the eruption at Mount Vesuvius, 70 AD. He died, her son died in that. But anyway, she, she had left her first husband, the king of Amessa, for Felix. They were living in a state of sin. It's adultery, a state of adultery. They knew it. There's no, she, she left her husband, married someone else. It's adultery, right? Uh, so Felix is drawn to faith in Jesus Christ. But he didn't want to change. Change. Now, he could have still said, God, I made a mistake. I I sinned by doing this, and we both repent. We're sorry, God, please forgive us. God would have forgiven him, all right? But he didn't want to repent. He didn't want to get rid of her, and he didn't want to repent of what he did. They could have done that. You know, we we make mistakes. We go to God. We ask for forgiveness. We get it. But they they didn't want to to do that. So... He didn't want to change his life, and he didn't want to repent. So he talks to Paul for two years. 
calls him in. But he never, he was fascinated. He was drawn. You can sense that he was drawn to the gospel, but not to changing his life. Does that sound familiar? But he never repented. He never put his faith in Jesus Christ. He was afraid of the judgment. He knew he was facing judgment. He was afraid of the judgment, but Jesus was inconvenient. Jesus was inconvenient. He knew it was true, but he didn't want to give up his sin or strongholds. I know none of us can relate to that, right? We might think of some of it, but not, 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 we can't relate to that, right? After almost 40 years of ministry, I've seen this more times than I can count. People that were so close, so close, and I thought they were right there. And then at the last moment they just disappear where'd they go i know where they went something they were wrestling something i was trying to help them repent of and break free and surrender and and submit to jesus christ and put their faith in jesus and and leave it behind but they didn't want to let that go i could tell you crazy crazy stories the one one i had shared about uh, a guy and i'm not gonna go into the whole story but the guy i remember mary alice and i were pleading with him to put his faith in christ the day before easter he doesn't show up and and then we find out he died that night and we don't know what he did. We're hoping we, we, he died. We know he died a long, painful death in the house. So we're hoping that he turned to Jesus like the thief on the cross and said, Jesus, remember me. It's all it takes, that one. That one prayer. And we're hoping, but I could tell you story after story. Pleading, I remember a teenager pleading with him to put his faith in Christ. And he says, I, I just not, I don't want to give up all the stuff in my life yet. I know I'd have to give it up. I said, yeah, but what, what, if, what if you were to die and stand before God? What would you say? He's like, I'll worry about when I get there. And a short time later, he was dead. Died in a car accident. I've seen it so many times. So many times. We, maybe somebody here. Everybody thinks you're a Christian. Or you're wrestling with it and there's something you don't want to give up because God is inconvenient. Jesus is inconvenient. Is there something or something keeping you from giving your life to Jesus Christ, from putting your faith in Jesus Christ? Could be fear of what you have to give up. What is there something? You know Jesus died for you. You know that you must put your faith in him to be saved, to be set free, to live a brand new life. You're not losing anything. You're gaining a lot. Believe me. But, but you, you just don't want to get, but you're just not ready yet. You're just not ready yet. You're afraid, but Jesus is inconvenient. And in your head, you're like, maybe later. Maybe sometime. Maybe, maybe later. Listen, if these crazy times have taught us anything, the last couple of years has taught us anything. There might not be a later, right? That's the one thing that I think people's eyes have opened up to. There might not be a later. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says this, verse 1, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. We, that, we, that has been driven home. And not only is it now, but there's only one way. One way. 
John 14, 6, we already said it. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There, it's not many in every way. In the USA, it's, it's like any way you want to get to God, you can get to God. And you, just, you can pray to a rock. You can pray to do anything. You can pray to Satan now, right? Even Satan, you're going to get, get be okay. Yeah, it, it's, it's insane. You know, Christmas is coming up. And whenever Christmas comes, the kids get toys, right? You get these toys, and some of them have not been assembled yet. Now, we had a rule. We told Jim and Diana long ago, you give us any presents, they better be put together. I don't want to see anything that needs to be put together. So Jim is tortured. Uh, he gets tortured. But imagine, you know, because I'm not a directions guy. I, I just, it's just not the way I think. I like to just like put things together. It's a mess. You know, you can't put something together without using the directions. Kim's always like, give it to me, which was my plan all along. But anyway, uh, but <laughs> A good thing she's not here because it really is. But anyway, the, but the, the, you, if you want to put it together, you've got to read the directions. You can't just put it together any way you want. It won't, be, it won't work. It won't, you won't be able to use it, right? If you want to fly a plane, you can't just say, well, I'm going to go fly a plane. I'm going to get in and start flying. You can't do that. You've got to figure out how to fly. You've got to be taught. You know, you've got to learn to see how it works. Otherwise, you're going to crash. Same with a car. You got the kids who's going to drive. They're going to ride with you for a while and learn how to use that. They can't just go out and drive, you know. And uh, it's not a good idea. But anyway, the, that that it, that is what is going on in our country. We think we can just invent our way to heaven. You know, we can't do it with a, a toy. We can't do it with a plane or a car. But we're going to do it. We're get flying to heaven. We're going to do it our way. It's crazy. It's insane. And the stuff that people come up with is insane, right? And it's, you know, it, listen, God is not Santa. God is not Santa. Santa is fiction. I hope there's no kids here. But yeah, uh, yeah Santa is fiction, right? But, but, but just like most people's God, most people have invented their own Santa God, haven't they? And he's, oh, he loves us all, and he doesn't care what I do, and I can do anything, and, and, and it doesn't matter who I hurt and what I do. It's, you know, I, I can do whatever I want. It's like build the Santa, build a God, build a bear. You know, build a bear, you make the bear the way you want it. You just build your own God, and you get to him any way you want. It's insanity. Jesus said there is one way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way. And we must not let anything or anyone keep us from coming to the one true God. We can't let that stop us. And the same thing is true for Christians. Even after we put our faith in Jesus Christ, a lot of times after we're already a Christian, we know for sure, we put our faith, we've seen a change in our life, but then all of a sudden we let something or someone keep us from communing with Him, keep us from really being close to God. You know what I'm talking about? Something that we let block our relationship, come between us and our relationship with Jesus Christ. We put our we put our faith in Christ, but we allow a stronghold to hurt our fellowship. It doesn't hurt our relationship. We're always going to be his child after we put our faith in Christ. We're his child. But it does block the fellowship. Just like if your kids, they do something wrong. They're still your kids. But if they've done something wrong, they take your car and smash it up without asking you. you, know, you know, that, that, that's going to affect your fellowship. You know? They've got to make it right with you before you can have real close relationship, fellowship with them. And the same thing with God. We, got, we have to make things right. But so many times we let something or someone rob us of our communion with Jesus Christ. 
Are you feeling convicted right now? I'm thinking of lots of things, right? Lots of things. Uh, you know, it's crazy, isn't it? That's what communion is all about. That's what this Christmas communion is all about. Remembering that Jesus came, what he gave for us, and, and, and it's a time to reconnect with God, to remove any roadblocks in our life that are affecting our fellowship, to repent of whatever we need to repent of, to receive God's mercy and grace. To receive his mercy and grace. And what it is, we just have a, some of you may have already gotten little cups on the way in. And there's still some up, uh, no, you got to get them on, on the way in. There's some in the back if you want to use the prepackage. But uh, what we do is we have up front, if you want to come up front, there's the, the bread and the cups. And, and the, 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 the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ that he sacrificed on the cross for us to make a way to his father. And the cup represents the blood that he shed to wash us so that we can come into God's presence, the blood of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and what we do is we'll just, Todd will lead us in a little bit coming up, and some of you already have it. That's great. Some of you will come up. That's great. Well, we, we have this time of communion, but there's two reasons why you shouldn't take communion. And this is between you and God. We don't, you know, make you feel anything out. We don't. It's between you and God. The number one is you make sure you have truly put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. If you haven't done that yet, then just wait. But you can do it today. Uh, the second thing is that there's something in your life you say, God, you can't have it. doesn't mean that you're struggling with something. Otherwise, we could just save ourselves. You know, I don't we put nothing up here. We could just save ourselves a lot of, you know, juice and crackers, right? Uh, no, no. Not, not struggling, but it's yet we're not willing to surrender it. Not willing to struggle. We say, God, you can't have it. I'm going to live this way. I don't care what your word says. But, if you, but I hope that you do say, God, it's hard, but I need your help. I need your mercy and grace. I want to fight this. I want to surrender this. I need, your, I need to commune with you so I can fight this. That's what communion is all about. I hope you all, I hope everyone here is, either has or does put their faith in Jesus and does surrender, but it's between you and God, between you and God. This communion time. Have, are you ready? Have you received the gift of Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Christmas is a time to give, but it's a time to get. And we, this is our gift. God gives us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. You can receive and believe. You can receive that gift. Today, if you've never taken that step, you can do it right this very second. Right this moment, we go to this time of prayer. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The word there, believe, means to put your trust in, to give your life to it. It's a deep word. It means to completely put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that today. This Christmas communion could be a very special day that you receive life now and forever through Jesus Christ. And as Christians, I hope as we go to this communion time that it will be a time we give all of our life. It, maybe Jesus has been inconvenient in some area of our life when he said, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender it. I really need you. God, I, I, Jesus, I need you more than I need X, Y, and Z in my life. I need you. I want to be close to you. I want to have that communion with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. On Christmas, but the whole reason he came was to die 
for us on that cross to shed his blood, to wash us and make a way for us to come into a relationship with you, God, our Father. I pray that every person here who is hearing this will be sure of their salvation. I pray that nothing would stop us. Nothing would stop us from coming to Jesus Christ. If you're that person today, maybe right now the Holy Spirit speaking to you to put your faith in Jesus. You can do that right now. You don't need a ritual. You don't need a person. It's between you and God. The simple but powerful prayer of faith. Jesus, I repent of my old life, my sin, the garbage, the shame. Please forgive me. Make me new. Give me a new life in Jesus Christ because I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. My faith in you. Your death, your resurrection, I'm putting my faith in you. your faith in Jesus something amazing has happened you have a brand new life that starts this very second and goes through all of eternity you have the Holy Spirit living in you and you can now commune with God the Father through his son Jesus Christ any Time, talking to him anytime. Asking for mercy and grace any time of the day or night. Claiming your peace and joy that you've never experienced before. Through Jesus Christ, communing with him. Let somebody know if you've taken that step of faith. Don't let this day pass without telling somebody. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card. Tell a family member, friend, anybody. Let them know so we can encourage you and be excited for you. And Father, we pray for each one of us who have already put our faith in Christ. How? That the Holy Spirit. would bring us into deeper communion, that nothing, we would not let anything keep us from that deeper communion with Jesus. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Have a wonderful week.